You're listening to Innovation Fuel, a business podcast by University Canada West. Bringing you fantastic stories for accomplished entrepreneurs and key industry professionals. Let's explore the entrepreneurial world through local businesses and our university community. Hi, buddy. How are you, Dave? Oh, always great. Always great. Hey, Glory, one of the things that I get myself messed up with, I'm trying to get my head wrapped around the difference between virtual leadership, coaching, and do they actually play in the same park together? Is virtual leadership actually coaching and is leadership and leadership should have coaching in it? What do you think? Um, I think that in any kind of leadership, you need some, some sort of coaching skills because you, it's for succession planning. It's for making sure that because a leader, they need to put everyone ahead of themselves to make sure other people are successful, to make their own team successful. So those are things required mentoring for sure. And of course, I think that all the leaders, doesn't matter in virtual or leaders, they need to have a coaching skill. When it's come to virtual leadership, everything is more complicated. You know, trust. How you can trust someone that never seen it and just see it in a Zoom or MST. Or how you can have a communication without miscommunication. Are they really there? Turn off my camera. Is Are they really there? I know. Exactly. You have a meeting and then half of the people in the meeting, they turn the camera off. Are they sleeping? I don't know. I mean... Yes, you can trust them. They are listening. But again, you want to see how much is your meeting, you know, efficient, impactful as you. You are actually sending the message you're wanting to send through this channel, Teams or Zoom, whatever it is. But yeah, it's, it has own challenges. I think that we have someone that can help us today. Let's welcome Sarah Plankart, Executive Coach, another episode of Innovation Fuel. Welcome, Sarah. Welcome, Dave. Yes, welcome to Innovation Fuel, brought to you by University Canada West. We are on a journey today and another exciting journey to expand your learning, to expand your thoughts and your vision, but into the world of executive coaching. We hear it out there. We hear the word out there. We've heard coaching. We've heard leadership. We've heard virtual leadership. We've heard a variety of different things in that element. Let's explore today with our friend Sarah. Sarah, before we dump into this topic, who is Sarah? Tell us a little bit about Sarah and why executive coaching. Yeah, well, I'm I'm an ordinary human who happens to have gotten into the field of executive coaching by pure circumstance. And actually, I'm going to catch myself in that lie. It's not pure circumstance. I really came to this world because I was in leadership roles in retail and hotels for quite a long time. And I knew that I loved seeing other people succeed. I just loved it. I just love, 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 loved it. And I went, how do I make a profession out of that? How do I help other people achieve things? And, you know, at first I actually had contemplated doing an MBA and something inside of myself, probably like gut feeling, right? That gut feeling that people talk about a lot said, doesn't feel quite right. And so actually I backed out of that pathway and did some digging around. I lived in Calgary at the time and I heard about coaching. And at first I thought, well, what is that? Like football coaching? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like what's coaching? Executive coaching. I pictured a football coach. That's the first thing I did. I dug around though and found it was about helping other people excel, which is exactly what I wanted to do. So 
I jumped in with two feet. I signed up for the Royal Roads University Executive Coaching Program at the time. And the minute I walked in that classroom, I knew that this was what I was doing for the rest of my life. Hands down. Hands down. I just loved it. Loved it. Best place to play. Let's put it that way. In my world. (laughs) That is really interesting. So what type of uh, specialty you have for executive coach? What do you actually offer? Yeah, so I do a few things. So I offer one-to-one coaching. So I work with executives and offer coaching. So what that is, a lot of people are like, what do you do? <laughs> Literally, I meet with executives on a one-to-one phone call and no one else is there. It's just us and not just executives, leaders, senior leaders, managers. It's often where it happens in organizations and corporations. And we talk about places where they're stuck. Where are they challenged in leading their team? Where are they challenged in their own growth? They can't see the path forward, but they know they want to go there. And a lot of people say, like, are you my psychologist? I'm like, no, I'm not your psychologist. Because the difference is we don't diagnose (laughs) and we don't look backwards. We look forwards. We help people grow. That's what we do. We help people overcome the hurdles that are inside of them. Because often what coaching is, it's behavior, it's mindset, it's habit. Yeah. What was different from after COVID? Yeah, what I think we're seeing now is an amp up in the awareness of how effective coaching is. So leaders are saying, this is great. And how do I get this for my team? And let's be honest, most businesses can't afford for everyone to have a one-on-one coach. (laughs) And so we're seeing more and more and Essential Impact where I work as well. We teach leaders coaching skills. We're seeing more and more leaders and team coaching is another thing. So we're seeing more and more leaders developing their own skill and their own capacity to coach their team members and even to coach each other, to coach a peer, right? It's not a hierarchical thing. It's not, you know, it's anyone can coach anyone else once you have these skills. That's what's cool about it. And we see more team coaching, right? Because there's more impact. A coach can sit with seven people and get work done as opposed to one-on-one. So those are some of the big shifts we're seeing. And of course, it's all happening on a screen. That's kind of still weird. That's exactly what I want to ask next. So what do you think leaders' unique challenges in their remote work? I think we're helping leaders more and more through coaching on decision-making, actually. I think it's harder to make the decision and be directive and say, here's what needs to happen when you can't read the emotion. You can't read the tone of the team. There's a high level of disengagement. Is a camera on? Is it off? Is the person, what are they doing? Like, what's the rest of their body doing? <laughs> All I see is a head, <laughs> right? So we, we only have so many cues. The other thing is, is like, it's an overload, right? Not only am I on a virtual call with you, I'm probably sending a message via, via chat. I'm probably got my emails coming through. I'm not actually present. So leaders are struggling with a team who isn't present for the team meeting or isn't present with the leader as much as the leader is struggling themselves to be present. So yeah, I could go on and on. That's just the first few things that come to my mind. But a big part of of reading someone is we say 80% of it is body language. Like 20% is what we say, 80% is what we communicate through how we move. So this is a big issue if we're thinking about virtual and how we're interacting and how they're getting a response. And I think the other thing too is that, and I don't know, Sarah, I'll, I'll open this up for you, but other thing too that I think is a challenge is this whole virtual reality, meaning is when does the buck stop? Meaning like, when do we stop working? When do we stop doing? Where do we find the balance between those elements? And how do, how do they do it within that element of leading and coaching these individuals? 
everything's become more blended because we're at our house. Our pets are here. Our children are here. My laundry's here. Um, (laughs) You know, the other thing is the cadence of the way we work virtually, right? There isn't the buffer between meetings because I'm walking down a hallway and I'm bumping into someone and having a casual social connection. I am back to back on a Zoom call or Teams meeting or whatever you use. I have no break. I don't even actually have the time to go for a little walk back to my desk and then a little walk to the kitchen, the shared kitchen, or a little, you know, stop by the community coffee shop. Like it just seems like people see your calendar and it gets jammed in. So I think at the end of the day, we're ultra exhausted, but we feel like we've gotten nothing done. And so, yeah, we're taking work home at night. You know, a lot of people are. And I think that's why burnout is on the rise. A, we're taking our our work home at night because we're back to back meetings, back to back to back. So we didn't get our work done. And B, I think burnout is also on the rise because we have no social connection anymore. We don't have that, those nice casual interactions. Like they just don't happen on Zoom. Everything becomes this pre-planned scheduled meeting that takes two weeks to get in a calendar. One of the things, the challenges that we're seeing with this element of this struggle of, do we continue this element of working remotely or do we go back to the office? Because one of the challenges that businesses are having, and I think you talk about a little bit around this around your podcast, is that the innovation, how do we iterate? How do we change? If, we don't, if we're not able to have those, hey, I have this idea, I need to go share it by the water cooler, or I need to pop into someone's office really quickly versus setting up a Zoom meeting. Like, because a Zoom meeting is hard to set up. Oh, they're hard. Yeah. Getting things in calendars is a struggle, <laughs> right? It's, yeah, we lose the spontaneity. For sure. We've lost the spontaneity and that's exhausting for everyone. That's exhausting for leaders. And I don't know, like when I coach leaders and I I don't know that we can really see what's going on for ourselves without some support to say, yeah, what are you missing? Are you missing the creativity, the spontaneity? Are you missing the social connection? Is like, what is it you're missing? And some people, they want to stay at home, you know? So what's the struggle of going back to the office? That's the other part. The other thing too that Sarah, I mean, this is the I, I think even now with the element is is that you've got people not wanting to go back to that business or not going back to that opportunity. We see the struggle of trying to find those amazing people, but you know, and how to work with those amazing people. We're also trying to see, we're also seeing a struggle to a new organizational culture, almost like not this element of a top down anymore. It's a more of like how can I contribute to the team because I'm part of the plan versus I'm just a cog in the wheel. When you think of what's the meaning and what's the contribution that people bring, and if we're letting go of command and control and we're letting go of hierarchy, you know, where are those conversations going to happen where we sort it out? And how are they best going to happen? Do those conversations best happen in a virtual meeting? Maybe for some people and for others, not for sure, right? We can't have those conversations. Like we're changing, we're restructuring, we're the new ways of work are coming. Some people can thrive in virtual worlds and some can't. And just sorting that out, just being a leader who has to sort that out to try to please all the preferences on a team, because now there's too many options. You've heard of that, right? The the paradox of choice, (laughs) right? I forget who that is, but the paradox of choice is a thing. It's like when there's so many options, it's like, I don't know what to do anymore. And the leader is the one who has to make that decision. And so that's where coaching can come in. That's complexity. Coaching is good for complexity. I think it's working in the unknown, I think it's that decision-making that we were talking about a little bit earlier is like, sometimes you just got to make a decision that other people aren't going to be happy with because you're a leader and you need to make a decision. And it's your job to communicate the importance of making that decision because we all do want some clarity. We might not all like the answer. We might not like the answer and we benefit from clarity and you have to make a decision and be clear 
and communicate that. And that takes bravery. And then you got to be ready to have the follow-up conversations. <laughs> you brought up very good things about the communication. So communication channels that we have as a virtual leaders, it can be through the um, Zoom or MS Teams, or it's going to be through our emails or messaging through any channels. So for example, as you mentioned, that you're going to have a meeting, department meeting, and most of the people turn their camera off and they know never to participate in the meeting. So we don't know if they have a lesson, have you heard of? of our decisions or participation, or you will send an email, mass communication to everyone, no one respond, or you send a message to the teams, not seen. So what other tools I have as a virtual leader to make sure that I communicate? Well, when I hear all that, I hear that you have a disengaged team. That is a highly disengaged team. No response to emails, not putting cameras on for meetings not having dialogue. So you've got a much bigger problem than communication at that phase, <laughs> right? <laughs> but this is not just, I mean, this is a very common thing. People lost engagement or they may listen or they may read, but they don't respond. Still, you know, people are engaged because they've done their work. They delivered their work, but however, they do not communicate. So I think that it's kind of engagement is different from generation to generation? I would argue that doing work is not engagement. That's checking a box. That's completing a task. That doesn't mean I'm part of a team or part of a culture that I feel like I'm contributing to something more grand than the work I do. Just because you did your job doesn't mean you did what you got hired for. You also got hired to be part of a team, to be with other people and support them. I 100% agree. I have this argument when we talk about social media, a like versus actually a comment. A like is not really that engaging. Anybody can click a box. For someone to actually take a moment to think about something and respond to something, that's engagement. Well, and I think you're onto something there because I think we are parallel to the world we live in. And so if we are now living in a universe where I'm scrolling and liking, I'm scrolling and liking, and it's an abundance of scrolling and liking, that might translate to how I'm going to do my job. I'm checking and doing, I'm checking and doing, <laughs> right? We, we don't have the connection. I think the other thing too is I think we're overburdened with freaking too many tools. I don't think there's the level of communication is so different if you have all these different types of places where you can communicate with someone. WhatsApp, Zoom. And I go on forever, all the different ones. I think it's overwhelming. Even spreadsheets are a form of communication, like, right? Like, like fill out this spreadsheet, create this report. And I think we can overburden ourselves with more tasks. That's all tasks. We have to watch that balance of how much task are we doing and how much connecting are we doing? How much culture are we building? How much mission are we achieving? Like, how are we finding meaning in our work. And yeah, I think this is all the stuff that leaders and employees are struggling with in their experience. There is some specific, for example, engineering companies that they most of the people are not even in one city or country. They're different. They never met each other. And then when we want to, they want to do brainstorming, they don't want to have a meeting or virtual meeting. They're just using specific tools to do, to put their idea there. And they said that, okay, um, you know, it's, I think, the nomad culture and the virtual work culture is really changed and it's not. And people, especially new generations, they don't show their engagement. 
Well, maybe organizations will adapt to that and have more subcontractors. If you don't want to be a part of team and you don't want to be a part of the culture, like we're not invested in giving you a permanent full-time job either, right? Like that's how I would respond if I was a business owner, then why not just have subcontractors? Why not have someone come in and do the work of a project and go, go away? And if I need you again, I need your task again. But I think overall, like when we take on a permanent full-time job, we're saying I'm committed to you. I'm committed to your organization, just like you're committed to giving me a paycheck every week with no end time, right? Like, so I think there's, and I think maybe we need to get more explicit about that too, right? Like, you know, but who knows where this will all shake out. That's kind of like the cool thing about business is it's created by humans and humans can make choices and we can evolve the way we want. So if, if a business says I'm cool with nomadic workers, maybe they start doing more contract work. I think there's a lot of contract workers now compared to other previous years. I think a lot of people want that. And they'd rather have their social connection out in the world than in their company, which is okay. That's great. That's your choice. I think though, if you're hired full-time permanent, you know, it'd be nice if you'd contribute to the culture, to the team. Well, I think it's a, it's a must, isn't it? I think it's a must to be like, I think nowadays, you, you know, and especially because the cost of acquiring individuals and, and not wanting to lose those individuals the value set has to match and the compensation and all those pieces have to connect so that that individual will want to stay because they all value the relationship, but they also are compensated well for that value. And I think this is where coaching actually connects into all of this, to be honest. I think coaching is about helping leaders unlock the real conversation, not the, how are you doing at your job? And did you get an A plus on your performance? It's what's really going on here, right? Like coaching just unlocks that. It's the deeper listening, the deeper curiosity. And it's also the, I hear you, I see you. Like it's sorting out complexity. And so it's not black and white, right? It's not. There's no one formula for any business anymore. There's not one answer to one business, one team, you know, anymore, right? Coaching is an opportunity for leaders. It's a skill set, I should say, actually. Coaching is a skill set for leaders to have complex conversations where they are just as curious as the people around them. And it's inviting like a mindset of what's going well? What can we do with this? What future are we inventing for ourselves? Like it just opens up possibility. And it's so good when we're feeling stuck, right? Like I'm stuck because like my motivation is low right now. I'm stuck because I don't feel connected. So coaching can unlock the conversation and there's not one like no one person I coach on one topic ever comes up with the same solution not once not once not once there's themes like we're all burnt out okay each person has their own answer and coaching allows that person to get their own answer so do you think Sarah going forth you, you know the evolution of all these changes we talked about virtual leadership we talk about these things you say that leaders of today of the next millennium well, the next element will need to be certified coaches I'm not sure you need to be a certified coach. I, I've met leaders who haven't done any coach training, yet they have the mindset, the behaviors, and the skills of coaching. Coaching, though, teaches you a process through which you can have that conversation and you can do it. You know, some people are more like that in their natural capacity. I wasn't when I started. I'll tell you that I was a problem solving addict. I wanted answers quick. I wanted to get the task done. Like that's who I was when I started coaching. So for me, coaching flipped my world. Slow down, think through this, connect, listen. Some people are naturally inclined to that and might not need to be fully certified. I think some coach training, I mean, just sitting in classrooms, that's what I do is I sit in classrooms and I help leaders learn these skills. I've never seen a leader feel like it was a waste of their time. <laughs> like They're like, this is amazing. The vulnerability, the trust, the connection, the ideas that come out of it. 
So I think it's a good to have. <laughs> we see this evolution of a lot of coaches coming into the market and, and in different, different frames. And even when we look at, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about coaching as a faculty member. Uh, instead of being more of a faculty and instructor, how do I leverage mentoring and coaching of my team or my, my students? And seeing that element, I think there's a benefit towards multiple areas with coaching. What I often find to be true is providing coaching sessions as a coach is one method of which coaching is valuable. What I also know is that coaching blended with mentoring, coaching blended with teaching, coaching blended with consulting, coaching blended with is great. It is exponential. And if, if everyone was a certified coach out in the world, I don't know what we'd be doing, right? So it's always like, you know, it's like, <laughs> who'd be coaching on what? We're coaching each other on our coaching, <laughs> but, which is a thing. But it's like for leaders to have this as a skill, for a consultant to have this as a skill. I, you know, I go, I even work with a psychologist personally, and I see coaching skills in how he works with me, right? But he doesn't have a coaching session with me. I have a coach who gives me a coaching session. You know, I have a mentor. And when she asks me the open questions, great. And also when she shares stories and kind of guides me, that's because she's my mentor. I want both. So I think it just blends nicely. Like I think coaching is a skill that blends so great with all the like instruction, training, teaching, like it's just great if you can blend it with other skills. So Sarah, with individuals, like we're talking to an audience of students here, where do they go and get this coaching training? Where are they, where should they, should they be looking for an, their own coach or should they be going out? Is there any programs and courses that they should be taking? Yeah. I mean, coaching is expensive. That's why we often see it more at the senior manager up to executive level. It's expensive as a one-on-one -on -one tool. What we're seeing now is more and more individuals simply saying, I want this as a life skill. And so you know, the more people who have coaching as a life skill, the more we can coach each other. Right? And so a world where we're all coaching each other and we bring that skill to conversations. Like with my friends, sometimes I'm like, I wish y'all were coaches. Like I go to a party and people are like, damn, you ask good questions. I'm like, well, I'm a coach for goodness sake. <laughs> but imagine if we all, they're like, you listen so well. Wow, you really acknowledged me there. And I was like, well, what if we all had the skills? So I think going for coach training is a great way to attain the skills and grow more of this in our society in more of this in our own communities and families. And so I think if you go to the International Coach Federation, that is the governing body for coaching. You can find so many coaching schools. At Essential Impact, we happen to teach leadership coaching, which is more for the business environment, extremely non-directive coaching. So it depends what you want. There's also life coaching. There's health coaching. There's somatic coaching. There's neurodiverse coaching. I mean, you can, you can, it's what what's going to serve you in your world. But the International Coach Federation is the governing body, which we also adhere to, that, you know, you're going to get good training if you go through a school who offers that train, like an International Coach Federation certified program. That's what I would say is like, great. And yeah, if students are out there getting it, we get students through our programs all the time. You're just bringing an extra skill set to your organization and also to your friends and to your family. Absolutely. Lo love the conversation, Sarah. This has been awesome. Oh, oh no, Larry's got a question there for you. <laughs> What's the future of virtual leadership in 10 years? I don't think we know. I think that we're figuring it out. And I think looking 10 years ahead right now is more challenging than it's ever been. Our world is changing drastically with AI. That's going to change the world. We're sorting this out in a way. I think organizations are going to try so many different things. I honestly couldn't say I would even have a guess where we're going to be in 10 years. I know that leaders have a good task in front of them, though, right? And I think the best thing to do is try things out and have conversations, get feedback, 
and develop what works for your own business. I think we're going to see a variety of things. Let's put it that way. I think we're going to see a variety of things. And I think that's wonderful. If every business can say, here's what works for me, for my team. And then when you get hired, you can say that works for me or it doesn't. I think that would be nice if people are doing what they want to do. Businesses do what they need to do so we can all thrive. Absolutely love it. We need to get out there. Students, listeners, get out there. Start thinking about some of your coaching elements. And before we wrap up today's show, Sarah, we've got to throw it over to you for a little bit of a challenge, a macro challenge, something big that we should be thinking about, or a micro challenge, maybe something your organization or the individuals listening to this podcast should be doing. You know, in coaching, we talk a lot about listening and we talk about listening at many levels. And so there's body language, which we talked about today. There's listening to values. There's listening to core beliefs. And in coaching, we listen to the other person a lot. And something people don't know about coaching, which I think is a superpower for any human, is how are you listening to yourself? How are you listening to what you need, what you want? In what ways will you thrive in this world? Don't try and do what everyone else tells you to do. Try and listen to what's going to light you up and what's going to drive you forward in your career. So if you can tune into yourself, and we talk about it in coaching, how are you listening to even yourself right now? Because that's where all your wisdom and information lies. It's in you already. It's already there. You already know, but sometimes we have to unpeel all the layers of what we've been taught about what we should be doing, (laughs) right? And it's like, no, no, no. Inside of you is an answer that's unique to you. And yeah, you got to be pragmatic. You got to pay your rent. But inside of you, there's an answer about where you're going to go on this career journey, where you're going to go as a leader. And that's what you got to tune into that voice. And it's quiet. We've been taught to quiet that voice down. So I say, get it, make it loud, make it loud, make that voice loud, your voice. That's what I would say. That's my challenge is to find your own voice because we need to hear it. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Dave. That was another episode of Innovation Fuel. listening to Innovation Fuel. We are on all podcast streaming platforms, Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Visit our website at www.youcanwest.ca slash innovation fuel. Also, follow us on Instagram at innovation underscore fuel.